Why, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of pureandsimplebible.com, and grateful to be with you in another opportunity to have a Bible conversation. We're in the middle of a great one with Brother Michael Fancher, who is organizing eight concepts to help Christians who are struggling with addiction issues. We want to be able to overcome. We want to be able to be helpers for those who desire to get out of this struggle. And yet sometimes it can be challenging to know where to start or where to go. And so I hope this conversation continues to be really healthy. I think this second part is especially important, and I want you to pay special attention. Please, please, please. Okay? So let's jump into it, shall we? Number four? Yeah, number four. Confess not just my sin, but my temptations and those things that have harmed me to God and to someone else. Why would I do that? And Why not just talk about the things I did that was wrong? Why do I need to bring temptations up? Well, um, the idea is that um, if it's something that you're struggling with and it's something that you need, that, that you want to head off, obviously, um, and a lot of heartache and a lot of missteps can be, can be avoided if we bring other people into sure. the situation before it gets out of hand. Yeah. Um, but, as, but also that's an extension, I think, of the inventory step. I, we kind of talked about sharing this with somebody else. That can be a, an extension of that, of that idea. So we've written all these things out, and now we have a better handle on what it is we're struggling with. We can recognize a lot of those patterns. And so now we're going to take it to somebody else and say, listen, I need you to hear what it is I've been through, what it is, I, how I've sinned, um, the things that I struggle with that I, maybe I haven't given into yet, but the things that, that, you know, check that box in my brain that are, that I have to, that I have a hard time avoiding. Mm. Um, and, and so that they can then ask some of the hard questions and yeah. bring us to accountability. And that's one of the things about confession that I feel like sometimes we, uh, we, I, I, well, I don't know. I, I say sometimes we get wrong, but I, I don't know what everyone else's experience with confession sure. is in our, in, in, in the cultures that I've been a part of confession was always a very one-on-one, a very, um, even, even public confessions was very often a very private thing. You went up and you spoke to the, to the, um, person who had extended the invitation right and you share share with them something of whatever level of detail that you choose to share it at i guess yeah i've Um, said some things and i've done some things exactly exactly (laughs) i've and and so many people i've been a bad example right you know (laughs) i've been a bad example a lot like me specifically Right. right um that was not an indictment of anyone else. Um, but you know, I've been a bad example. I've done, I've said things that were wrong and those are, it's good to be able to admit that you've done wrong. That's a, that's, that's a good part of, Mm -hmm. of, of the process. But, um, if you want to correct those behaviors, especially if they are, um, compulsive behaviors, if they are uh, ongoing behaviors, then you're going to need to be more specific than that, and you're going to really need to bring in somebody from an accountability standpoint, and that's kind of what this this sure. is is leading us toward. Okay. All right. I like that you added temptation, um, because temptation has the power to either sway us into sin 
or it can be the wake-up call to keep us from sin. Mm -hmm. And temptations that are confessed, we're able to let go of the pride of I can handle this on my own. I'm just thinking from my own experience of times uh, with my wife where I held on to temptations because I, I didn't want her to think of me as less than a, as a man. Right. And as a result, uh, that pride wounded maybe our relationship. Sure. Whereas uh, confessing the temptation, like, hey, something's not presently happening, but I'm just letting you know that this is something that I struggle with. She became a great ally in whenever that struggle might come back. Yeah. Or a friend. It doesn't have to be your, your wife, but a friend. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the, the, the temptation serves as your red flag. And, and since you've, it's out in the open, people know it. It makes me think of Romans 13, uh, make no provision for the flesh, I yeah. think is what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Make no provision. Well, that means if I'm making no provision for the f- flesh, then I am making provision for something else. And that sounds a lot like an inventory right. to me. So, <laughs> Well, and, and, and keeping, keeping quiet about something that you're tempted to do is you, it, like, it can often be a, I'm going to hold that in reserve. You know, I don't want anybody to know about that in case I don't want to take the opportunity to do that away from myself. And if you think about it, or if you, again, I keep referencing the 12-step programs and stuff, but people, I think people are familiar with the concept from television and movies and things, is that you have a sponsor, and this, the idea is that you get used to letting people know when you're tempted. Sure. Because there's going to come a time when you are tempted, and you are going to need to call somebody and say, listen, I'm really struggling right now. I feel like I'm about to go to the bar, or I'm about to go to the to the trap house or whatever it is that you're doing that you right. that you know you shouldn't be going there right um or you're about to see those people that you know you shouldn't be or be around mm-hmm. or whatever your temptation is i'm about to click on that link you know <laughs> whatever whatever it is um and you need to get used to saying this is a temptation and i need to talk to somebody right. about this exactly exactly so let me review them for our listeners uh as we begin to go into the second half Recognize problems and weaknesses in self. Recognize God as the only one to redeem me and restore my holiness. Truly examine myself and past behaviors and experiences. Make a list of those things that impact my thinking, beliefs, actions. That, that was all the third one. Confess not just my sin but my temptation and those things that have harmed me to God and to someone else. We didn't really talk about how important it is, like specifically to God and someone else. But I think the conversation went that way naturally right. that others need to be involved. And so number five would be ask God for his forgiveness and direction in my life. Expect that help, expect that help and prepare myself to receive it. So, uh, we're asking for forgiveness in step five. Why didn't we ask for it in step one? It seems like that's where I want to start, right? Well, uh, you're probably going to be asking for a lot of forgiveness through all of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you if you have a prayer life at all, there's probably going to be a lot of sure. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sure. so sorry. Please forgive me. But uh, in in this, it's an extension again. It's it's a natural pr- progression of we've just uh, you know done this inventory and we've confessed this to some to God and to somebody else, um, and then hopefully we've identified some broader concept problems some ways that maybe we were doing some things wrong that we didn't realize right uh, and that we need to um, 
and that that we need to ask forgiveness for those things sure you know my my uh drug addiction might not just be a drug addiction and you want to ask god for forgiveness for abusing your body in that way but you might also need to ask god for forgive, for forgiveness for the pride in your life that led you in that direction right. or the uh you know the way you treated people or mm-hmm. like whatever there's a mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a host of mm-hmm. things that you're going to realize were problems hope uh hopefully through the, through these last few steps this this speaks to me because when someone does something wrong and they're quick to want to kind of move past it, sometimes we have to urge them, slow down, see mm-hmm. the scope, the scale of this, yeah. see how it's influencing others. So that does make sense that step five is where forgiveness comes in because it it's, seems like the first few steps have slowed this person down. Instead of a fix me now culture, yeah. we're developing as as you've talked about a renewed spirit type of culture that takes a lot of time, and yeah. So now I'm appreciating that we're halfway through, and and now we're asking for forgiveness because now I'm probably at a healthier place to ask for it. And, Lord willing, yes. <laughs> and, and others, and for ask forgiveness of what I've done to others instead of just Lord forgive me of this thing that I did. Right. In Jesus name, Amen. Running, running out back into the world makes sense as as with as with a lot of things the problem is rarely the problem you know you, you there's a there's an underlying problem mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that contributed to sure. the problem sure and so yeah that's kind of where we were where we want to get to before we before we get there let me ask you this just about the thing you said uh, before we go to number six the problem is rarely the problem but on judgment day the problem's going to be the thing that gets brought up. Absolutely. So how do we reconcile digging deeper to understand the motivations of our problems versus what we're accountable to God about? Do you have any thoughts on, you know, maybe reconciling the judgment versus the discovery of motive? Well, um, I think the discovery of motive is more for our uh, the idea of renewing our minds it's like it's it's okay. part of it's part of that process part of the Romans 12 process it, absolutely it's because um because yes we're going to be held accountable for our actions but if we are on such autopilot for our, in our fleshly selves that we don't even recognize that we are not looking at things from a heavenly spiritual eternal perspective that that um then then that then we're going to be held accountable for living in a living in a fleshly way mm-hmm. and not giving that stuff the, the consideration that it sure. deserves. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I had something else to say. I forgot. You can cut this out. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not lived in the life of addiction that every addict has lived, but I imagine that rare is the addict who doesn't know that judgment's coming, at least for somebody who's right. a spiritual person. I think they know that judgment's coming for that behavior, uh, but the compulsive nature of it, they can't let it go. I don't think any of them are in denial saying God's going to save me. I think a lot of them assume that they're lost. Yeah. That's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Terrible. One of the things that I realized as I was going through this process initially um, is that uh, one word kept coming up over and over again, and that was intentionality. Mm. Like, I need to be living with intention. Um, and, and that's one of the re- things that I realized was part of my problem is that I didn't go into life. I didn't go into any social situations. I didn't have intention. I had 
you know, a moral, um, you know, standard that I knew I was going to be held to, but I didn't walk into these situations, um, with a plan of any kind. And I would, I, I very much float like the way I would describe it is I would, I floated through life. I just kind of let life happen to me. You were reactive. I was very react. Exactly. That's a good word. I was, I I lived react in a reactive way. Sure. Um, and going in with a plan and a purpose and with intention. Um, and, and that's a lot of what I feel like this, these concepts are leading us toward is thinking about things deeply, thinking about, um, why we do what we do, um, and being, going into our, our, uh, life and our interactions and our relationships with intention. Well, you know, intention, make no provision for the flesh. You're, as Roman says, I keep coming back to, uh, this plan of action, these eight steps, I gotta be proactive all the way through it. Somebody who's hoping that a sponsor is going to help them overcome the addiction. It's like, fix me, please. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, it And I know not. that from therapy. Like the sure. couples that come in and they're like, Jonathan, uh, 10 years of, of what we've done to each other has dropped a nuclear bomb on our relationship. Here's the ashes. Fix us. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, well, we need to change that mindset about how yeah. fixing is going to go. I, yeah. I've, I've had people, I've had similar experiences and I'm not a, a trained counselor, but I've had some people that that uh, found me uh, for whatever reason through the program or outside of the program and, and um, thought that, oh, here's a guy who knows, how to, who, who knows how to fix this particular issue or knows how to d- help me deal with this. And uh, they don't realize that, yes, I can, I can give you the tools, but, you know, you and God have to take care of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, I, I, yeah, it's not a, this nor any other, you know, list of concepts are, are going to, um, are going to fix you Yeah, and I can't do it for you and nobody yeah. else can do it for you. Well, we're on number six and, uh, you know, if number five was interesting because you, uh, you know, my, my inquiry was why didn't we do this in step one? Why didn't we ask God's forgiveness? Number six has a similar question in my mind. It says, seek out those who have been harmed by my sins and be reconciled to them if possible. And so my thought is, man, why didn't, I, why didn't I do that back at the beginning? But I could answer it in that uh, it seems like it's taken a lot of work for me to get to the point to imagine how many, or like the scale of the hurt. So so I guess uh, that's kind of where I am. But what what is your motivation for where it's at in, in this, in the numbers of one through eight and it's number six. Why is it there and, and what's the purpose of this? Um, you're right in that um, a lot of times it, or, or it, one of the things that has to uh, be brought out is the scope of what it is this means. Um, how many people, how many situations that I um, that that I need to seek reconciliation for uh, or, or with. Um, but in addition to that, hopefully in, in the previous few steps, we've ingrained these concepts in ourselves to the point that we are in a better place sure. to reconcile. Sure. Um, we, are re- we are willing and ready to, um, to take ownership of our responsibilities in the situations. It almost sounds like the reconciliation, if it happened too quickly, 
would be one of worldly sorrow. And it's about self. Like, I need to get right with you because I feel bad. Yes. Whereas a godly sorrow type of reconciliation is, I need to get right with you because I realize I've wounded you and I've wounded God and I need all of us to be right healing in this. Absolutely. And it's reactive. Like if, if I am reconciling to you because I feel bad, that's just me again, self-medicating myself. Exactly. I need to get, make the bad feeling go away. Right. Um, but there's, if you are, um, if you're looking at this from a larger perspective, from a heavenly perspective, then what you want to do is, is restore those relationships. And that can't be done overnight. It can't be done in step one um, because you didn't break them all at once. Right. You're not going to fix them all at, right. like all, all at the same time either. Right. Um, you, you say if possible. Mm-hmm. Why not just go for... At all costs. Yeah, at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> fix um, these relationships at all costs. Um, the there's a there's a guideline um that uh that i always remembered when we talked about reconciliation which was um if unless doing you 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 reconcile unless doing so would harm the person and there are there are instances depending on what you know like what your sin was what your how you've hurt other per, other people sometimes the best thing to do for you that you can do for that person is to never speak to them again. They do not need you in their life. It was not, it would not be health healthy for you to have any semblance of a relationship with that person. Uh, those are those are those cases are hard, are fewer and farther between. Sure, sure. But it but it's possible. But the other side of that coin is um, sometimes that person is not ready or willing to reconcile with you. Right. And you can't. You can only fix you. You can't fix them. That's a really good point. Um, I'm thinking of Romans 12, verse 18. It says, it's got two conditions to it. The the command is live peaceably with all men. Mm -hmm. That's the command. Here's the conditions. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Yeah, yeah. Those are are important conditions. Right. It, It seems like... I can't put so much pressure on the reconciliation on my terms. There's two parties, and if there's a reason that that party isn't coming to the table, then my job is to live peaceably yeah. with them. Well, and, and it's something that you learn in marriage, too. Uh, well, any kind of real relationship, probably, but I learned it in the context of my marriage, is that, um, you know, just because I have, I am, uh, I feel remorse for that thing, and maybe I'm ready to. Um, to own my part in things and I'm ready and, and, and I'm offering reconciliation does not mean the, the, in my case, does not mean that Hannah has yet processed her side of things. Sure. Yet. Okay. So maybe yeah. she needs to hear my apology and she needs to hear my, uh, you know, the regret and the remorse that I feel. And she needs to hear my commitment to be better and to, you know, maybe not do whatever it is I did or whatever. And she needs to, she needs to sit with that and process it for a little while before the reconciliation can truly happen. And so it's not, it's not our responsibility to force other people into a place. Hey, I, I said, I'm sorry. Why haven't we gone back to the way it used to be that now it's on you right 
Well, if that's how you feel, go back to your inventory. You got some more stuff to work out. <laughs> well, that's that's a good point. Uh, yeah, maybe if you've rushed through the inventory and you've gotten this expectation that it's now going to go back, okay. Yeah. This is this is to the point you made at the very beginning. These steps aren't so rigid that, that you're going to be gone out of it once you've kind of graduated. You may have to revisit it right uh, again and again and again. Well, and it's not, and, and again, I, I like using the idea of concepts because the idea of reconciliation is something that most likely you're going to have to use over and over again because, you, you know, people make mistakes and we hurt each other. Mm-hmm. And so reconciliation, is, it becomes something that we need to learn to be good at. Sure. Um, it's a confession needs to be learned we need to learn to be to be comfortable with it and to be good at it and do it in a way that's healthy and helpful so that we can find healing i mean because that's what that's what uh, the scripture says you know like confess our sins one to another pray for one another that we might be healed Mm -hmm. um and healing is supposed to come through this process yeah yeah talking about healing uh in seven i think it this this starts to get towards uh you know the, the end goals of what we want um number seven says create a habit of self-reflection confession meditation and prayer for god's help and guidance so uh what does a habit look like versus just the practice you know of reading and praying you know wh- 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 how do you teach a habit to someone <laughs> well um I'm not sure that I would make a distinction between a habit and a, uh, and a, a practice, and a, practice okay. a regular I'm practice. Semantics. Maybe, I don't know. Um, the, but the idea is that, you know, most likely if I'm dealing with all this stuff and it, it, there's a part of my relationship with God and a part of what I have been feeding myself and what I have been cultivating within myself right. that is not right. Right. And so the idea here is that we are going to start making, being intentional about creating a habit of feeding ourselves healthy things, prayer and scripture and meditation and, um, and confession and all these things that are going to help us uh, maintain a spiritual mindset, right. maintain a healthy relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, is that part of the inventory at all? The inventory seems to be more about the what led you to get here, but or maybe it's a secondary inventory, like uh, the inventory of habit. How could I write out this these habits? Do I do I create a schedule for myself or a structure? You certainly can. As a matter of fact, um, in, as as part of this concept in. Um, the uh, celebrate recovery and i'll just name it i've been you've been dancing i've been dancing around it but in the celebrate celebrate recovery program that i was a part of um we we had a the idea was that we would now start doing a daily inventory so you would still do an inventory but it would just be a uh, sometimes you would do another big one if you felt like you needed like something i need to dig into something and maybe i never dealt with it enough or the, the way that i needed to but we would just assess the day. At the end of the day, you would assess how things went. Did I did I make some mistakes today? Did I hurt mm-hmm. some people today? Mm-hmm. Did anybody hurt me mm-hmm. today? Okay. Um, okay. And so and so that would be part of the self assessment, uh, self reflection part of that instruction, um, and maybe even part of the confession part of that instruction, because um, you would want to then 
Um, make sure that you are connecting with other people and talking to them about, you know, if you've had some bad days or if you have had some good days and you really just want to talk to them about how things have been going. Um, it's really healthy. It's a, it's a, it's a healthy spiritual discipline thing to do to have those kinds of relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and so we want, we want to set ourselves up for continued success. And so we want to cultivate spiritual habits, spiritual practices that we do on a regular basis. And, you know, to some degree, while we might not need to do things to the full extent of what, uh, of the, our first time through, we still want to keep these concepts alive right. in our daily practice. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Your final step or, uh, <laughs> man, you, what's the word? That concept. You concept. Is the final concept in this is share with others how God has impacted our lives and how he can impact them as well. Yeah. I like it. Uh, we tend in the churches of Christ to shy away from testimonials. Yeah. And I think rightly so when, when the testimonial is uh, very self-serving. Sure. You know, that, I think that's probably what we're trying to avoid is a mm -hmm. self-serving, it's all about me. But what you're suggesting is that there are times when our story or whenever our past is actually going to be helpful for people to hear because it makes the love of God more tangible, yeah. more real. Is that kind of where you're going with this? I, I think it absolutely is. And I think that's part of the, um, you know, letting our light shine so that others would see our good works and glorify oh, okay. our Father who's in yeah, heaven. I like that. I think it's part of the, um, the idea of being ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Sure. Um, you know, we people... We need to be ready to, and I, I know that that, that last uh, quotation is usually re referenced in, a lot of people reference doctrinal matters. We need to be able to be ready to give an answer, or we need to be able to defend, you know, the apologetics of sure. whatever. Sure. And, and while that is true, that is something that is helpful for us to know and to learn, um, when people see hope that lies within us, it's usually not our hope in a six-day creation. It's not our, it's not our hope sure. in a, uh, in a water baptism, you know, like it, we have hope in those things, but it's not, but that's not what they see in our lives. Let me tell you how the love of God changed my life. Exactly. That, that is the kind of the intro to this hope that you're talking about. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They need to, well, yeah, they'll, uh, Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Mm -hmm. And how, if they don't see how we love one another, then they're not going to ask. Right. <laughs> and, but, right. but when they do see it and they ask that we need to have something ready to explain yeah. to them, well, God has, God has changed my life and he may not have changed my life circumstances. This is not a prosperity gospel thing. This is not sure. a God fixed all my problems thing. Sure. Um, and I think that, uh, we do that people do a disservice to what, what, uh, the hope that is in Jesus when they make it as if this life is going to be super awesome and, you know, we're all going to be living, you know, in mansions and whatever. It, but that's, that's not what it's about. It's about elevating ourselves to a spiritual mindset and realizing that we have hope that is beyond this world. Right. And, uh, and that, but, but even within that, realizing that, the way God told us to live is actually the best way to live mm -hmm. and is going to serve us the best. Yeah. 
we could do things for for other with other motivations and people do on a regular basis but some of the most miserable people you'll meet are some of the richest people <laughs> you know i mean it's true like how many times celebrities that can't keep a marriage together right. or you're are riddled with drug addictions right and um you know rich people that commit suicide all the time it mm -hmm. happens all the time mm -hmm. um and, you know, especially if you're trusting in wealth, like, you know, stock right. market crashes and, and tons of people just don't know how to how to deal with that. Well, we as Christians have a hope that is beyond all of that. Right. And we have been taught how to live in a way that serves us the best here, but has a hope of something so much better. Yeah. And if we don't have an answer for somebody when they ask us, well, why, what, why do you bother? Right. That's the, that's what I think that he's talking about. There. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as we start getting towards a close, I'm looking at, at how much time we've spent on the eight steps. We didn't get to talk as much details about the basic guidelines. What I might like to do is just read them. Sure. And then if you want to offer a, a word. Yeah to our listeners about why this, this list matters, mm -hmm. maybe from personal experience sure. or uh, to give them a, an idea. But there's about, what is it, uh, two, four, like 13 or 14 bullet points? Sure, yeah. Um, and I'm looking at, so um, in order for these eight uh, concepts to work, then these guidelines, it's really important to establish healthy boundaries. Right. And without the healthy boundaries, uh, then the concepts probably won't be as effective because people are going to have in the back of their mind maybe mistrust or guilt, and these things are meant to alleviate that. Mm -hmm. So here we go. I'll just read them. Uh, we are Christians first and foremost. We are open and honest. We are respectful of each other's weaknesses. We listen without interrupting. We accept correction when necessary. We speak only for ourselves, not presuming to know how others think or feel. We don't respond unless invited to. We don't analyze each other. We don't fix each other. We don't enable each other. We don't condemn each other. We don't harm each other. We don't share stories that are not our own without permission. We hold each other to these guidelines. Mm -hmm. So trust is a word that I'm, I kind of, that comes to my mind as I read through that list. Uh, just from your own experience, doing some leading in, in other groups, what do you hope to accomplish by having this set of guidelines for others? Well, you have to recognize that anybody willing to submit themselves to the process of going through a pro something like this, especially in a group setting, um, or even with just having a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like you've got somebody that you're, that's going to hear your confessions, that's going to listen to you, um, sharing your struggles or whatever the whatever the um, whatever the situation ends up being, um, you are placing yourself in a very vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. And um, you and I have talked about, and I think you've you've even spoke, got lessons about safe being a safe person, right? Um, and the idea here is to cultivate a a um, an environment where people can feel safe. Uh, opening up and being vulnerable sure because in order to do the the work that we've talked about here it's going to require 
a great deal of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, you know, with the wrong person in the room is not willing to abide by the guidelines, um, a lot of harm could be done. Um, and uh, it could def- it could lead to derailing somebody who was trying to work really hard sure. to overcome whatever it is oh, that they're man. struggling with. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many people have, um, you know, completely, you know, gone off the rails because of a broken relationship, broken trust or something like that. It's very, uh, very powerful. And it's one of the big, it's the big Achilles heel of this situation. And so the, the idea is um, we're going to be very respectful of the vulnerability that's happening in in this process. So um, if a church uh, wanted to start doing something like this, maybe they're going to uh, have a volunteer who maybe coordinates some private studies, private gatherings mm-hmm. with stuff like this. Are they going to review those guidelines every time or do they have like a poster of it? Uh, how, how do you make sure these are kind of on the hearts of the people? Well, yeah, the posters are available. They're nineteen ninety. No, I'm kidding. I don't. Uh, I have not yet developed, you know, for sale merchandise yet uh, for the for this stuff yet. But um, in in my experience, it was read at the beginning of every uh, of every meeting. Uh, but the reason the reasoning was um, partially because new people were coming in and out. Oh, okay. Um, and so it was read at the beginning of every meeting. Um, I think that it's probably good to read it on a regular basis, at least to remind everybody my ideas of how this would be implemented. And again, you know, whatever, if somebody wanted to implement it differently, sure, it's up to them, obviously. It'll just break your heart. I don't own any, I don't own any of these (laughs) concepts, you know, um, the, uh, the idea is that, um, is that you want to keep these people is you want to be able to keep each other accountable to the to these guidelines. Sure. And so if you have if you need to remind everybody of what they are, then do so as often as you need to do so. Um, and if you are going to make it an open gathering to where uh, occasionally people new will show up to the to the regular gathering you're having having, then um, then you're going to want to introduce them to them. Sure. And you're going to want to uh, to be pretty. Uh, pretty strict in enforcing them because if the new person comes in and then next next week everybody in town has heard everybody's business because they shared about it in their meeting then um then you're going to keep them accountable you're going to hold them to the guidelines they may not be welcome back at the right. at the gathering right you know okay a lot to think about and chew on but uh, i'm hopeful that that people who are listening to this can feel hope that uh, this could be doable for them. They, they too could have set up these guidelines, set up these uh, concepts. And uh, yeah, I guess I would just want to end the program with, with you offering a final word that you would like to. And for me, it is about hope in a place where sometimes people have felt hopeless. Mm-hmm. We're, we're giving them a tangible means to start working towards hope again. But I want to give you the final word. Uh, tell me, uh, what's on your heart as we wrap this up in this this conversation about concepts towards a uh, culture of confession? Um, I think it's important to realize that uh, that all of the things we've talked about are for everybody. You know, it's it's really easy to separate ourselves and think, sure, I am above this. I don't struggle with alcoholism. I don't struggle with drug addiction. I don't struggle with 
you know, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Lord, thank that I'm not like this publican. Right, exactly. Right? Um, it's important to realize that every one of these things are things that, that Scripture really commands us to be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just kind of put them in a structured list um, and as a suggestion for one way you might go through them. Um, and uh, that that has been helpful to me. Yeah. Um, but it's for everybody. And I think it's important if you are going to... Um, lead people through through a process like this that you model the vulnerability by going through that process yourself wow. as well um, leading by example is extremely powerful in this concept um, and knowing that the person that is uh, working on this with you has 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 already gone through it and can show you how it works and what it looks like to come through on the other side of it is very powerful as well mm-hmm. um, but ultimately I just I, I hope that 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 the that the people of God can find healing and connection with one another, and and a, a, a way to submit themselves to the will of God more fully um, through my humble organization of these scriptural ideas. Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, how you structure it more. In, in like a publication way, you know, getting access to it. I look forward to testing it out. Sure. So uh, God bless you for your work. Thank and you. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks. I'm indeed grateful to Brother Michael for coming on the show and uh, grateful for that conversation. Man, some of that stuff about restitution and forgiveness and repentance are just really, really healthy things, not just for addiction-related issues, but just relational issues in general. So I'm hopeful that you had some of the similar takeaways that I did, and I'm hopeful that we can have healthier discussions about things like this. Now, please, if you haven't already done so, please leave a five-star review for this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. It's really helpful for the algorithm, and I appreciate the support. Thank you. And until next week, you can always go to the website to check out information there. And remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well, it's real.